Oh, we didn't do the clap. We don't need the clap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't do the clap anymore. We don't need the clap if you're not recording. Oh, that's the only thing that was for? That's for syncing. Oh. It's like doing a slate in the movies. You know, the movies, the pictures. <sighs> oh, okay. Well, that makes it a lot easier. Hey, it's Tuesday, which means not only is it the day after Monday, but it's a brand new episode of On Taking Pictures. Yay! <laughs> I love On Taking Pictures. <laughs> I, should pro- I, should, wait, I should probably fake my voice a little bit more. Okay. Man, I love On Taking Pictures. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Uh, all right, this is episode 21 of On Taking Pictures. We can uh, drink is, now. We, we can drink now. We are legal. Yeah. We should. We should do, we should have a, an On Taking Pictures drinking game for yeah. those people at home. <laughs> so we'd have to say, what, what can we do? Every time we, every time I stammer or stutter, <laughs> you have to take a drink. Well, we don't want people to pass out at 15 <laughs> minutes. Uh, that would be great. On Taking Pictures drinking game. So this is a weekly podcast. Hopefully you know that by now. Hopefully you're tuning in each and every week, and maybe you're even telling some friends about us. Uh, we're talking about the art and science of taking pictures, why we take pictures, what we take pictures of, uh, that kind of thing. And we like that. We do. I'm Jeffrey Sidoris from FadedAndBlurred.com, and with me, fancy New York portrait photographer, Bill Wadman. Wow, that was like that was like a uh, a, a boxing announcement, it, wasn't it? it I, yeah, yeah. From yeah. the t- rumble town of Brooklyn, that, New York, <laughs> weighing two hundred and two pounds in the black trunks. Give it up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. I do weigh two hundred two pounds this morning. That's pretty good. Yeah, I. You know, I, it's funny. I actually look much better than I did last year when I weighed one hundred ninety five. So you're carrying it better. Uh, I think it's because I've been doing weights. Okay. And um, I wasn't doing weights before, and so now I'm doing weights, which means I have a lot more muscle, which I think is denser than fat. Um, so, so you know, you've become more dense. I look okay. better, but I weigh more. There you go. But it also means that I burn more calories, right? So that's that's the real reason to bulk up a little bit. Now, did you did you start going to the gym for uh, health reasons, or was it to to better your mood to just kind of get the endorphins going? Uh, I went to the uh, a little bit of both. Uh, yeah. Mostly when Heather moved in with me, I she signed up for the gym, and so I signed up with her. You know, it helps even if you don't go to the gym. Just it, just knowing you're, you have you're able to. Yeah, right. even if you never use it. Uh, no, just getting out and and going for a walk, or you know, stopping what you're doing if you've hit a block. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today is, is roadblocks and creativity blocks and w- how to get around them and what to do with them. I told, I told you to do that last night. Yes, And it helped. It Did helped. it work? Yeah. All right. It, it does. I mean, whether or not you, you, know, you go take a shower or go for a walk or stopping what you're doing, what you're kind of obsessing over and, and letting your mind kind of relax, letting your brain kind of relax a little bit, oftentimes will, will get you past what you were trying to get through. Uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. But before all that. Well, should, wait, should we talk about last week's show a little bit? Yes. That's, that's kind of where I was going. Okay. Well, go, go ahead with what you're doing then. Well, last week's show, we kind of went off 
the path a little bit. And for some of you, it really resonated. Um, you opened up quite a bit about your relationship with your dad and, and how that affects, continues to affect, I think, why you take pictures and, and how you feel about taking pictures, how it affected how you feel about taking pictures. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Do you think we could afford getting wind beneath my wings to play underneath this section of the show? <laughs> Wow. Uh, no, it's true. It's all true. Um, in fact, I got a few emails from people that basically said, like, uh, somebody, uh, what, Hussein uh, Taskin wrote in, right? Mm -hmm. And said, uh, I was amazed and surprised how open you were about the relationship to your father and how it influenced you. And basically, he told me that in order to get over all of this and to move on with my life, I have to have children of my own. Right. He actually said, make some children of your own, Makes, exclamation yeah, point. Yeah, that was a great sentence. Make some children of your own. So you need to get on that. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'll get right on that. <laughs> um, but it's you know it's that was a a pretty big question of why we take pictures and and what do pictures mean? Uh, we posted something on on Faded and Blurred of this guy George W. Cushman. Have you have you heard of this guy? Yes. Okay, so I didn't. I had never heard of him before Nikki found this piece and. You know, this is a guy who, back in the 30s and 40s and 50s, uh, he started in the 30s shooting Kodachrome, the then then new Kodachrome. It was brand new. Uh, and just because he saw the world changing, and that's that was his angle of why he took pictures. He was trying to photograph um, changes in the world around him. This was... Uh, a, a time of great change in America. And he saw those things happening and wanted to record them. Um, and I think that's perfectly fine reason to take photographs. Isn't change always happening, though? Sure. But I, I think there have been certain times in our history, in American history, and, and wherever you live, there have been certain times that are that are wrought with much more dramatic change and much larger changes okay. than other periods. Like right now. Like right now. Yeah, I mean, and and the change that's happening right now is not just limited to uh, the U.S. I mean, we've got incredible things going on here. You've got things going on in the Middle East. You've got things going on in, in Europe with Greece and Spain and Italy and economies crumbling. And, you know, it, it's a very dramatic and traumatic time to be alive right now. True. And um, I think we've we've made some incredibly powerful photographs in the last, you know, 10 years. No, I, I think so too. I think these are really nice because um, it's always strange to me seeing like the 1930s or 20s or even sometimes there's those pictures from like the teens or the aughts of the mm -hmm. 1900s that are that are like some of those first color images in Russia. Remember that was like right. a big yeah. meme for a while? Yeah. Um, and just looking at these places and just thinking about the fact that uh, that like looking at them in color – connects you to them in a way that looking at them in black and white doesn't do. And I think that was one of the arguments against color in art photography for a long time was that it was almost like it, there, it loses some artistic expression because it's in color that it's too real. So it's not detached enough from reality to be. Okay. Art. So it becomes more documentary rather than yeah. aesthetic. I mean, okay. it, and it wasn't until Eggleston, like we talked about on episode, whatever, um, mm -hmm where he was like the first guy to be able to pull off color in the art realm. Um, but just, just looking at these pictures, it's like you could imagine these people, these two girls sitting on the grass in their bathing suits or, you know, this guy uh, at the uh, the Grand Canyon, you know, with sure. his cool hat on. And you think, yeah. 
you know what? This is this could be my grandfather. You know? Right. Um. Yeah. No, it's totally cool stuff. Yeah, it is. Um. The whole why we take pictures question is it's. I mean, that's a big question. I mean, in some ways, we talked about it a lot a lot last week, but in some ways, that is the whole point of this show, right? Yeah, ongoing to yeah. discuss it. Sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the whole name on taking pictures. Like, wh- why do we do this? Like wh- wh- we're discussing how and what, why, um, the what and the how those are easy, you mm-hmm. know, um, almost always easy. Uh, but it's, I don't know, just interesting. Uh, so yeah. So it, last week was a big one for a lot of people. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I know I got a lot of feedback. Uh, I got a lot of emails from friends uh, commenting on on connecting with that episode, offering and, to buy Bill some Prozac. That's right, <laughs> or give him a hug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but go ahead. You know, it's. It, I mean, it's a big question. It really is. And and beyond the the historical or or archival quality of photographs, you know. I find that even carrying my iPhone around, that I'm taking more photographs, I cull through them and I, I probably throw away a lot more, but I'm, I'm at least allowing myself to look for things that interest me or look for things that, that, that I want to record for some reason. And sometimes I don't even know why I want to record them, but I want to have them there. You know, it's actually funny that you say that is that in some ways, if you have your iPhone automatically uploading your images somewhere, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is, it's arguable that the pictures you take with your iPhone are far more archival than any picture ever taken because a lot of pictures were film and the film got lost or whatever it is. You upload that to some server at Instagram or, or, or Dropbox. It's up in the cloud somewhere. It may be there for another hundred years. Sure. You know, I mean, as as the sort of this this huge pot of data storage happens in the world, uh, you are uh, on the you know the, the sort of you're on the forefront of it. And it's funny that some of these things that we think are just oh, a picture of my friend eating a hot dog in downtown L.A. could suddenly become the you know one of the older images in the world long right. term. You know, yeah, because yeah. so many of the other ones are going to be lost because they're physical objects. Sure. Um, you know, there Which is a, sad. That's kind of sad to me. It is a little sad, um, but it's progression. You know, I, I watched um, I watched that documentary this weekend uh, on uh, Side by Side, I think it's called. Okay, the Keanu Reeves one? The Keanu Reeves one, which... Uh, How is it? It's great. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not high art, but it's fascinating for me. I loved it. Um, I really and, wanted to see it. I, I probably will end up renting it. Well, you could, yeah, you could just get it from iTunes. Yeah. Um, it's like six bucks, which is cheaper than finding a theater that plays it and two people going to see it. Um, now, who did he talk to? He talked to Scorsese and uh, um, oh shoot, let me get the list up because it's gonna. Now has Scorsese like gone all digital? Uh, yeah, he basically said that he's you know he's done with film. Because I, I don't know if you if you heard I don't know if they announced it today or yesterday, but Fuji has stopped making motion picture film. It's true. A lot of people, most people, use Kodak anyway. Uh, let's see: uh, James Cameron, Fincher, David Lynch, Robert Rodriguez, Scorsese, Soderbergh, and uh, Christopher Nolan. 
Okay, oh. now these these are all guys who really embraced digital pretty early on. Ah, uh, except for Nolan. Nolan hates digital. Well, yeah, Nolan still hates digital. Um, and it's it's really fascinating. So for you, those of you who don't know, so Keanu Reeves hosts this movie that was directed by somebody else. And basically what they do is he's interviewing all these big uh, directors and cinematographers and editors and stuff, talking about the transition from film to digital in the movie world. Um, and it's fascinating. I mean, because he's talking to people who were part of that... Uh, uh, um, dogma 95 movement you know which was this whole like video tape uh based movie movement in like the netherlands or something um and showing and they show clips from all these different things and like how they look and stuff and on a 1080p rental you can actually get a good sense of how it looks Mm -hmm. um almost all of them are really cool about the whole thing and are just like look it's another tool we're moving on you know this is it looks really good uh nolan sounds like a crazy luddite on this thing <laughs> does he really oh yeah he comes across as kind of like <laughs> dude like really it's- which is funny because his films simply would not be possible without digital technology well yeah the effects and stuff but i mean i think his initial uh um, capture you know it's it's interesting that in this latest movie he did so much stuff with imax i think that was sort of a see i need to take film to its top mm-hmm. level you know one of the i mean the main point that they made in in the sh- in the show which is similar to the point that we make with stills is that you know the 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 photo the chemical photographic process has reached its peak sure it's not it, film is not getting any better you know um and even if digital was a few steps down on the ladder from film a couple of years ago it won't be a couple of years from now Right. So it's sort of just a matter of time. Like it, it, the, the, film, the film has gone as far down the racetrack as it's going to go, and digital's just getting started. So who do sure. you put your money on? Yeah, um, I mean it's it's not going to be long before you know consumers are going to have affordable two point five or four K, you oh, know, yeah. video cameras. And and George Lucas even said he's just like, look, you know, it was it was almost a citizenship kind of thing, as my friend Claude said. It's sort of like. We're making films with digital. We're making it better as we go. Get on board and help us make it better. Hmm. You know, like this is the future. Suck it up. Right. Um, yeah. So Nolan was very much like, oh, I don't like digital, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the, the funny thing about the whole thing was that the movie, the interviews and stuff were obviously shot on digital. Okay. Some, some Sony camera or something like that. And they look beautiful. Just hmm. Beautiful. Um, you know, just much inter- more so than you would get with well, shooting I mean, them on film. I mean, th- th- I don't know what they would have looked like had you shot them on 35 millimeter film, but like 35 millimeter film for interviews, it's not going to yeah. happen, you know? Right. Um, so just looking at what they did to make the documentary and they talk about editing and how fast people can move on, uh, these crazy new digital editors and all this kind of stuff. And, and the, 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 the things that people didn't like about it about the move to digital were things they would complain about say, Oh, well now there's no breaks for when they want to, um, uh, change film canisters. There's no break there. There's no, uh, immediacy to, because you only have 10 minutes, nine minutes of film in the canister. We need to do this all. These are the nine minutes and each take counts. Cause it costs a lot of money to take each take. Right. 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 And I think now it, you can do 50 takes of, right. Of and so therefore each take is somehow less important. Um, I think it was Rodriguez or somebody who said, look, 
that's that's not really true. Um, what is true? That, that's more of a uh, how do you present yourself on the set? That's a, that's a mood kind of thing, right? If you if you put create a situation where each take is important, that's irrespective of the recording medium. Sure. That that's how that's your job as director to make it so that this take is the one and it's important. And even though it doesn't cost us a lot of money to take, we're all in this together from an artistic point of view, you know. Right. And it doesn't mean to say that you can't take breaks with digital. It's just that there was this automatic break, you know, that right. people. Right. So it's that kind of stuff's really interesting to me. Um, the idea that you could that, that stopping and, and that, you know, I was watching um, that uh, the Mark Seliger things that we put up a couple weeks ago, the, that mm-hmm. new show he's doing. Have you watched right. all of those? I've, I've only watched two episodes. <clears throat> Which one did you watch? Uh, the one with uh, uh, Platon. Okay. And the one after it with Albert Watson. I told Bill Clinton, I said, Bill, <laughs> can you bring the love? <laughs> it was so great. And his assistant was like, no, no, don't do it, Bill. Don't, don't bring don't the do love. It. And, and he's like, don't you tell me what to say. I, I, I got it. I know what he wants. It was like a British guy doing a Southern yeah, guy's yeah. accent. Yeah, it was genius. Um, well, for, first of all, I'd like to make a comment that that show, while good, and a lot of people say a lot of interesting stuff on it, is so heavily edited that I don't feel like I'm hearing a conversation. I feel like I'm hearing, uh, it could be scripted for all, you know, Yeah, it's pretty produced. Yeah. It's very slick. It comes off like it's a three or a four camera shoot. It's very slick. And, and that's fine. I guess it just, in some ways it belies the sort of intimate setting that they're in. Like I'd rather watch them talking for 45 minutes unedited than for 12 minutes edited or whatever it is. You, yeah. You know what show I really used to like for, for that, kind of, of banter and conversation was the one that John Favreau did. Yeah. The din- sure. Dinner for five. Yeah. Love that show. Yeah. And that, that's, I feel like it could be more like that anyway. Mm-hmm. So there was the episode with Matthew Modine on it. Is that the I same one? It. Okay. Who was, who was the main photographer then? Anyway, Matthew Modine is on there who the actor, I don't think it was Matthew Modine. No, it was some, it was a girl that was on it. Oh, I that don't... girl. Yeah. 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 Uh, so Matthew Modine is on some other episode. I forget who the other guy is on, on the, on the shoot. Oh, it's, um, Rankin. No, maybe anyway. Oh no, no, no. It's, uh, uh, Scholler, Martin Scholler. Okay. And, uh, so, so Matthew Modine's on there and he's talking about how he had the camera on the set of full metal jacket. Okay. And apparently, you know, the, the, the classic story is that, um, he came on, I had it wrong. I think I told this story on another episode, but apparently I had it wrong. He brought a Roly that a friend had given him. Okay, and, and onto that, the set. Yeah, and that shoot was two years long. Which Full is metal just, jacket was two years two long? Two years of shooting, according to Modine. Wow. So Matthew Modine's on there, and he pulls out a, his camera, and he starts taking some pictures on set, and Kubrick yells at him and said, you know, if you're going to take pictures on my set... Don't use that old piece of crap. What? <laughs> and told him to go get a Minolta 35 millimeter. Wow. Which I you know, I don't know why, but it's funny because I always thought that the story was the other way around. Like huh. if you're going to take pictures on my set, you're going to use the good camera. Yeah, so go get a Rolly. So apparently um, Modine hated the Minolta and would keep the Rolly like folded up in his flak jacket on set. And whenever they were between breaks and stuff, he'd pull out and take a picture. Hmm. Um, 
And he was saying that see he's he woke he grew up like the youngest of seven children and he was really poor. So he's real even now he's very careful about each click of the plunger. That cause it because it means something. And he Modine, said, you're talking about Modine said that, yeah. Yeah. And he said that his subjects react differently when he's taking pictures with the Roly because they know that that camera, for instance, um, all these famous pictures were taken with that camera. So therefore, they have more respect for the photograph being taken because of the camera in front of them. Wow. Because of the tool being used. Yes. Interesting. Which, I, you know, it's... In some ways, the reason I bring it up is because it's sort of along the lines of what Christopher Nolan was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the idea that 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 because we're shooting film, it's more important, you know, because it okay. costs money and it takes time and it's you know, okay. Um, and 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 I just attacked that by saying, well, you know, that's all about the mood of your shoot, right? If you if you make it right, if you make the moment right, then it shouldn't matter whether you're shooting it with your iPhone. Sure. Um, if you're on Eastwood's set or Steven Spielberg's set, right. I don't think they care what's in the camera as much as... Yeah, but Spielberg still shoots film. Yeah. Have you seen the trailer for Lincoln? Uh, no, and I haven't seen War Horse either. But I hear it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is that in some ways I think I might ta- be talking about my ass throughout my butt because I think that he has something of a point. Okay. Um. You know, if, if somebody's taking your picture with my camera and somebody's taking a picture with an iPhone, people will give deference to the guy with my camera. Even if do it's you, me taking the picture with the iPhone and my mother taking it with the Canon, you know. Do you think film in film as a medium is going to become uh, a boutique tool? Do you oh, think totally. it's going to be relegated to independent film and smaller film and the studios are going to want to shoot digital and 3d and all of that moving forward. Um, Oh, absolutely. But you know, it's funny. There's, there's this guy in the movie and I can't remember who it is like this, like 30 something black guy director in the movie. And I didn't recognize any of the movies he had made, but he's must be some independent guy. Um, but I'm not a big cinema guy, so don't yell at me in comments. Um, and he was saying, you know, there, there are those of us who are going to like fight for film and fight. And it's like, it doesn't matter, dude, what you fight for. If Kodak stops making film, you're not going yeah. to be shooting film anymore. Game and that's over. A, and that's an economic situation. That's not a, that's, you can't, you know, I really want to ride horses to work every day. Well, you could do that, but you know, <laughs> at the point at which everyone's driving cars and there's no longer a horse path, it gets much more difficult to do. Sure. No matter how much you want to do it. Um, so anyway, it just it was interesting. So everyone should go see this side by side movie if you haven't already, because it was um, it was fascinating. And I think there, that it I think that it it said well. One other thing I wanted to say is yeah, that um, they they talk to a lot of cinematographers and they talk about how in the film days you, you they used to trust their cinematographers, mm-hmm. right? Hey Bill, is this going to look the way I want it to? I want it to look like this. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. It'll be great tomorrow in dailies. You know, right? And and Lucas said, you know, well, I think maybe we need a little more backlighting on that. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's it's perfect, says the cinematographer. And then he says, and then we show up in the dailies the next day, and it's like, wow, I could have used more backlight. He goes, now with digital, where we can see it on the screen, I can say, no, we need more backlight. 
you know. Right. Um, but somebody said, you know, a lot. There were times when in the dailies the next day you would walk in, and there would be magic to it, right? That there that there was. There was this sense that, that that there was a black magic to what the cinematographers did. The stuff went in and stuff came out, and and what was inside of that box is is who knows, right, 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 right. right. And some, alchemy, <laughs> right. Some people like that alchemy, and and I think that part of what some people are are fighting against is is the reality that that alchemy is science. And does have you know specific step by step skills involved? Sure, but that the people who were doing it want to keep it a mystery because that makes them more valuable. You know, there's something to that. Maybe. Um. And and you know and and he says you know sometimes you would come into the dailies the next day and it would be beautiful, like better than you could ever imagine. He goes, but just the you know same amount of time or more, you come in and say what the f, you know, right. So. It's it's all you know. There's 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 that beautiful side of it, and then there's also the frustrating side of it. Right. Anyway, go see the movie. Well, sorry, what were uh, you just to piggyback on on DPs and and iconic DPs. There's another fantastic film that you should see if you haven't already. Uh, it's streaming on Netflix right now. It's called Cameraman, and it's a documentary about Jack Cardiff. Oh, really? Who Jack Cardiff? For those of you who, who don't know, shot. Uh, gosh, the Black Rose, Black Narcissus, um, oh, the African Queen, sure. um, you know, uh, tons of Which was like amazing- a re- actually done like in Florida or something, wasn't it? Uh, I think so, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but also shot Rambo, so that's kind of cool. Ah, uh, Rambo. The first one? The first one, yeah. First Blood. Actually, no. No, I think he did, I don't think Rambo, he did- Rambo, first, first Blood Part 2? Yeah, he did two. The classic one where 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 Stallone's got mud all over him and blends into the wall. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but uh, fantastic uh, documentary about light and and just what you're kind of saying, the sort of magic of what the DP, the cinematographer, does on set. And yeah, uh, really wonderful little film. It's uh, it's it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, there are a ton of cameras that are out now, and to just. New for cameras. video purposes, yeah. <laughs> for video purposes, there are some really brilliant choices out. But I, I'm I'm blown away by the number of cameras that came out at Photokina this year. Well, okay. No, look, we're not a gear show, but let's let's do a quick rundown. Nikon came out with the new full frame, which is with a D600. D600. Canon came out with a new low end, lower end full frame, the 6D. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sony came out with a couple new SLRs, right? Yep, the the A9. Well, I think I think one new SLR, the A99. But they also came out with a like a point and shoot camera that's full frame. That's interesting. Did you see this? It, it's tiny, little full frame camera, twenty eight hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's for rich people. You asked who buys these things? Rich, rich people. <laughs> rich, rich people. A uh, lot of new Micro Four Thirds cameras. A lot of new point and shoots. Uh, yeah. Panasonic came out with a new Lumix, the GH3, which uh, I think looks. Pretty spectacular, actually. Look, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Go ahead. It doesn't matter. That's true. None of this matters. None of these pic- none of these cameras are going to make you take better pictures than you take now. Um, they might improve some of the technical aspects of your fo- your photos. Yeah. Okay. But- you have more pixels. You have you know better autofocus, maybe. But shoot in lower light, etc. Sure. But 
that is not the, I doubt that that is the limiting factor of almost any photographer out there. Mm -hmm. Um, limiting factor is your imagination. So, I mean, yes, these are great tools. Yes. I am a big proponent of full frame cameras. You know, I like full frame. Um, am I willing to, uh, uh, you know, and, and now instead of spending $3,500, you could spend what, $2,100 for the new 60, right? 60 and the 600 are both 2099 is their retail. In some ways, the 6D is more, it's funny. The, the 5D Mark three came out and it was a very different camera than the 5D Mark two similar sensor, but otherwise the body is much more pro feeling. The autofocus is the same as on the one D, um, it's 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 much more of a small pro camera, which is why I like it, uh, than the old 5D Mark II was, which had like this mediocre autofocus system and kind of felt like a, like a 20D or a 60D or whatever it is now, the the higher end ones. Um, so in some ways, the 5D Mark III was the was the new camera, and this 6D is sort of the new 5D Mark II. Sure. You know, because 5D Mark II was what, like twenty five hundred bucks, twenty eight hundred dollars, something. Like I think that. it was twenty eight when it first came out. Right, and now the and the Mark III is what thirty five hundred dollars. Was that what mm-hmm. I paid for that thing? Man, thirty two. Expensive camera. But to your point, I mean, it's it's not going to, you know, look. Uh, this, these are not full frame cameras for a thousand bucks, which is what it needs to get to for the average person to really say, oh, I really want a full frame camera. I am all for full frame bodies and I like the fact that they're now available for two grand. Um, but none of nothing that came out this week is going to change the world. You know, not like the first full frame digital, like, you know, the first five D which was the first like sort of affordable, um, full frame camera, that kind of thing. No, you're going to get great pictures with a rebel. You're going to get great pictures with, the 5100 or the 3200 it's, it's on the incredible Nikon. incredible the amount of power you can get for almost no money now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, with the new cameras, the T4i or whatever it is. I mean, these cameras are insane. That body with good glass in front of it. And that's, I mean, I guess that's the big thing too, is that I said in my little write-up on, on, on taking pictures, I said I'd rather have the, the 6D with good glass than the 5D Mark III with crappy glass. Right. You know, because... The, the, it's, it's to the point now where, where technique and glass have a lot more to do with it than your sensor. Sure. Um, and that's well, the thing, look, you, you know, you need to know how to live within your gear. Yeah. And, but these, these things are, these are, these are sort of manufactured limits. And that was one of the things we wanted to talk about today is limits on creativity. Your, your gear, if you've bought a camera in the last five years or, you know, maybe even six or seven years, your your gear is not limiting your creativity by and large. Right. Okay. Now if you're a if you're trying to compete and be a sports shooter and you're using the first generation rebel and the guy next to you is shooting with, you know, a D eight hundred or a D four or something, okay. That might be a real world He could take more pictures per second than you can. Right. Right. And and for action, that might be the limiting factor. Right. But these things are manufactured limits. The real limits are Compositional limitations, yep. lighting limitations, well, uh, like finding a, subject matter, learning to communicate with your subject if you're shooting people. Your your uh, your friend on Facebook, who's uh, R. David Marks? Uh, David Marks is a landscape photographer in uh, New Mexico, Santa okay. Fe, New Mexico. Uh, and he writes, uh, funny how, because he was, you put up my little post on my blog and he commented sure. on it and said, 
Uh, funny how some of history's best images were made by photographers who used the same camera for years, but we feel like we must find that perfect tool to make our images better. Of right. course not. I mean, we, we talked about that a little bit last week. I mean, how many photographers used a Hasselblad for their entire career, the same body, or a Roly for their entire career? Decades. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this, for those of you who are interested, is why we don't really talk about specific gear that much. I mean, we are mentioning it here just because there's so many new cameras out, but the, talking about this doesn't make any difference. You know, mm-hmm. none of these, you need a new camera. Okay. It's interesting. Oh, which one should I buy? Well, you know, maybe that Nikon one is nice and it'll last a long time between the two. The Nikon looks nicer than the Canon. The two full frames you mean? Yeah. The 600 versus the 6D. Mm-hmm. If I was a Nikon shooter or hadn't chosen yet, I would consider the Nikon. Um, Somebody wrote, uh, uh, I think it was uh, one of my Twitter followers and somebody else emailed me about it, basically saying uh, that he was pissed because the 6D has Wi-Fi and GPS and doesn't still doesn't support UHS-1 cards, which are the high-speed SD cards. Okay. And I wrote back saying, eh, it doesn't matter, whatever. And, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I would love to have, he's like, they should have been in the 5D Mark III. And I was like, well, yeah, but you know what? I, I would have loved 4G in my original iPhone too, but technology <laughs> progresses, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, for me, it's funny. Yeah, there's Wi-Fi in this new Canon camera, right? Built in. Great. But it's designed to send pictures from camera to camera, from camera to, um, to the printer, from camera to a smartphone and to control your camera from a smartphone. I don't see anywhere in the specs or in the description that says it's designed to dump your pictures onto a computer in the room that you're in when you're taking the pictures, basically see, like a wireless tether, which is the only thing odd. that I would ever want to use it for. Yeah, and, but, but I can do that with my phone. Right, well, yeah, well, that's the kind of messed up thing, but it also just kind of makes me think, okay, well, that should be the feature. Right. I mean, sure. if, if you're going to make a camera or that has Wi-Fi, wireless tethering essentially is exactly what that's for, mm-hmm. you know. And if that was in a higher end camera, I would expect it to be in there. Like in those, uh, like the new Nikons have the Ethernet mm-hmm. where it sets up and it shows up as like an FTP server. Yeah, it's it's basically its own little server in the camera. Yeah, that is a fantastic idea. Sure. Fantastic idea. And so I, I give uh, I give Nikon mad props for that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, just good stuff. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't know what I'm getting at other than the fact that, yeah, there's new cameras, new Leica though. That one looks pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, uh but the, yeah, n- they, none stopped, of these things, they stopped numbering them. It's just the M. Yeah. The Leica M. And then there's a new one called the M E, which is a, instead of a 24 megapixel full frame, it's, I think an 18 megapixel full frame, but it's a CCD sensor as opposed to a CMOS sensor. Huh. Some people like the CCD sensors, but they're a little you know, more it's, noisy. It's a bold statement using ME as any sort of product, <laughs> isn't it? After the, after Windows. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. But they're you know they're German, so. And then Johnny Ivy is going to be designing a new Leica. You're excited about that, right? <sighs> I'm really upset about that. <laughs> uh, I don't want Johnny... Jonathan Ive touching my cameras. Don't okay, touch Johnny my Leica. Ivey, uh, Johnny Ivy is Apple's design guru, um, arguably one of the most well-known industrial designers in the world. Um, and, and in some cases, for good reason. Uh, designed the iPhone, designed all the MacBook Pros, the original iMac, I think his designs are delightful, but I don't need him changing a design from 50 years ago. 
that's all just trying to that's all just trying to tap into the Apple whatever. You know, I wonder if it's not a design decision at all, but a manufacturing decision. Because Apple has got such sophisticated manufacturing. Uh, yeah, but the whole point of these Leicas is that they're, you know, put together by hand. And <laughs> yeah, but people make mistakes. People love our new Mac iPhone. <laughs> Here he goes. <sighs> Jonathan Ive. Take off it, the black t-shirt, put on a shirt and tie. Be a man. <laughs> is that it? Sure. So you'd, you'd prefer him in some uh, Savile Row bespoke suit? If he was, I would have much more respect for him. <laughs> Seriously, I'm going to start wearing suits to all my gigs. You should. I'm starting tonight. Are you? I think I might, actually. I, okay. okay, now, if... Uh, okay, I, I have to go on record. I'm going on the show saying this. If, if you don't come back with a photo of Chuck Close, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Well, I'm working on that, but here's the thing. <laughs> I am nervous about tonight's shoot in a way that I have not been nervous about a shoot in years. And is it because of, of Philip Glass? Um, no. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. I'm shooting. I'm doing a favor for a magazine that I normally I shoot for a lot. One of my big people. And yeah, a few people are talking on stage at this thing. And they asked me if I could shoot some pictures of them on stage, which is like event sort of stuff, which I normally don't do. The only reason I'm doing it is because um, the people on stage are Philip Glass and Chuck Close and uh, what's his name? Turner, who is the physicist who coined the term dark energy. Mm. And the only reason I'm doing it is to be able to see if I can get two minutes with each of them in the green room beforehand. Right. That's why I'm doing it. And maybe a line on Ira Glass from Philip. Yeah. See, you have this Ira Glass <laughs> thing. I, I'd choose Philip over Ira any day of the week. Um, I think Ira Glass is fine, but that's sort of like saying, you know, I don't even know what it's like. See, see, Philip Glass gets you to Ira Glass and then Ira Glass gets you to David Sedaris. See, so there's this. That's a terrible line of that's (laughs) the other way around, my friend, the other way around. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) but, but I, you know, it, it gets you thinking about nerves, right? Sure. Um, And, and I've had. It's weird. Well, I I used to get nervous about shoots. My first real like the first shoots that I did in 365 portraits where I was shooting famous people, quote unquote. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I'd be nervous because you know, you may have a few minutes and you want to do something good. When I that made me a little nervous and then I got over that. And then my first couple uh magazine shoots uh I was nervous about going in like really nervous and is this because of who hired you because there's so much more pressure like this is a national magazine yeah and and, oh there's going to be art directors there and this that and the other thing yeah i mean that was totally part of it um remind me to come back to this in a minute i want to come back to your first shoot with an art director over your shoulder uh okay uh and uh so we, we doing these kinds of shoots i was really really nervous and i was thinking to myself it's just this worry that you're going to screw up right that's the whole thing, mm-hmm. um, which is scary. Sure, because you 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 want to do a good job. This gets us, in, you know, in a funny way. This everything comes back to Rick Paulson. This gets us back to limits on your creativity. Now you're manufacturing subconscious limits of yeah. not doing. You know, you can take a good picture. Sure. No. You, sh- okay. 
back in the day, I was nervous just because these were new situations for me. Sure. Um, something like tonight, I'm nervous because if I get the chance and I have two minutes with the guy, what can I do in this random room in this random place in two minutes? Right. That Under is going to make me happy with a gray perhaps, green wall. Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and will I look like an idiot? Will I make the mistake of having my camera on some random setting that was wrong? And then I look back and you, know, you see what I'm saying? Sure. Cause there are times in those situations where not like rookie mistakes, but you're so nervous that you forget about really basic stuff. Right. And, and you've got three stops of EV compensation and, Right. And somehow I blew out stuff because I wasn't noticing because I was too busy talking to the guy to keep him talking to me as opposed to talking to somebody else. So I can get the whatever it is. Right. Um, so those things are scary to me just because I want to do a good job. And this mm-hmm. is this may be both uh, Chuck Close and Philip Glass are both on my wish list. Sure. So if I could get to and then there's the question of, OK, let's say I can get all three of these guys for two minutes apiece. I don't want to take the same picture of them in the same space. Sure. So now I got to come up with three different ideas for two minutes apiece or what what have you, um, which is even scarier. Right. Um, well, maybe maybe there's a situation where maybe you're not going to get all of them, but maybe you make a connection with, say, Chuck Close and say, yep. hey, you know what? I would really love to photograph you and you guys hit it off. There's 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 a connection I come by your studio one day. Yeah. And that and you set that up for another date so you can kind of take yeah. that off your plate. It, it, it may it may be something like that. That would be a great situation. Um, but, you know, it's those kinds of things that are really weird. The strange thing is, is that I don't get nervous anymore, really. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going yeah, to you, shoot you've been in kind for- of a weird space lately. Yeah, I have. I'm, I feel like a little gun shy. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever feel gun shy? Sure. I feel like every time I start a new project, I'm going to absolutely destroy it. Every time. Destroy it in a bad way. Yeah. Not in a good way. Not in no. like, I'm going to destroy no, that I'm project. I'm going to kill this thing. No, yeah. I, I think that, <laughs> that yeah, the, the, you know, even doing, doing our ebook, I was a wreck for, you know, two and a half months. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's so it, 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 I'm surprised that I'm nervous and yeah, I think it's because it's a new situation for me. I think it's because I don't know that I'm going to be able to shoot these guys at all separately. You know, like it could be just like, oh, there's no time or they don't want to or whatever, you know, but I'm going to bring, I, you know, I had Heather last night sit for me while I shot some pictures. Um, I had that little 16 inch softbox or 20 something, 20 inch softbox, 16 inch softbox, that weird little, the little, the speed light one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had that thing set up and I had a speed light on my camera sort of bouncing off the wall, just giving overall illumination. Um, and then I was trying to do like, just try to figure out some setups that would work some little Mm -hmm. two light setups. And the problem is, is that if the room has higher ceilings or the walls back there or the walls are dark and not light, you know, like it, it, all of these sort of numbers and ideas that I'm coming up with ratios and stuff are sort of meaningless because I'm going to have to redo them on the spot anyway. Sure. Um, are you bringing uh, an assistant? No, I wasn't planning on it. I may okay. end up calling somebody, but that's another, you know, and then I got to pay the assistant, you know. Sure. Um, and then sometimes having an assistant gets in the way of the whole thing because that changes your interaction with the subject. I sure. Mean, it changes the level of intimacy. Sure. Like yeah. if you want to get back to my first 
like magazine shoot. Um, I was shooting Jhumpa Lahiri for Improper Bostonian, which is this Boston magazine. And Jhumpa Lahiri is a um, uh, a famous author. She won, I think, she won the Pulitzer Prize for. Is that is that an author thing, right? Pulitzer's no. Or the Booker. What's no? What's the what's the uh, what's the one she won? I don't know. Uh, Jhumpa Lahiri. Uh, yeah, she won the Pulitzer Prize for fiction in two thousand. Okay. Um, and, and and so she's like you know this big fancy author and whatnot. And I get to the studio, and then I was re- working in my first like rental studio, so it was like my first time around there. There was hair, there was makeup, there was art director, there was a producer, there was you know a bunch of people in the room on top of me and my assistant. And this is the first time that all of those people had been part of a shoot that you've done. Yes. Okay. That was the first time I had done anything like this for a magazine at all. Okay. And, uh, I walked in and I, you know, and I was nervous and it was a four hour time slot. Let's say it was one to five. Right. And it, it, she was supposed to be there at one and then to do some makeup, whatever it is. And we get there and apparently there was some question of whether she was coming at all now because the produce, the guy who was writing the article said something to her on the phone that offended her, whatever, some stupid thing. And they didn't know if she was coming. Oh, now she's coming, but she's going to be late. You know, all this kind of like stress kind of situation. Sure. And you're thinking, I've got the studio for four hours. Right. What so, are we doing? So she gets there at, uh, let's say two, right? So okay. an hour in already. Uh, makeup takes 45 minutes. So now I'm down to two hours and 15 minutes. Putting clothes on it, now I'm down to two hours. Now, two hours is more time that I'd, than I had spent taking pictures of anybody in my entire life. So the producer and the uh, art director are all kind of freaking out because now we only have two hours left. Myself, I am like, two hours, how the hell am I going to sp- fill two hours? <laughs> right. So we, okay. we, have, we have opposite sort of problems. Right. Um. And were you aware of each other's issues? Oh, I mean, she was like, are, are you going to be okay? There's only like two hours left. And I was like, two hours? I'm like, <laughs> two hours? I'll be done in 45 minutes. <laughs> like, right, right, you right. Know. Um, so we, we, took, uh, we took some pictures in one setup. She changed dresses. We tried something else. We moved stuff around, you know, different lenses. But it was in this one of these big, you know, New York studios with 25-foot ceilings. And it's, you know, 50 feet by 80 feet, you know, these giant things. Sure. I don't like giant rooms. I'm much more of an intimate sort of photographer. So I was like, okay, Meg, who was assisting me, my friend Meg. And I was like, Meg, we're going to set up over here in the corner. You know, we're going to have one big softbox uh, Octobox actually at the time. Um, so you got 20,000 square feet and you're using like 400 square feet. I need a, I need a 15 by 15 foot yeah. corner. Okay. Honestly, that's what I want. And, and I was like, look, everybody else just stay over here. Uh, it's like, I need to build up some sort of rapport. Cause the woman walks in and she's already cranky. Mm-hmm. She's already mad. Um, and so the first thing I say to her, I say, you know, I, I said, how do you feel about getting your picture taken? And she said, well, it depends. And I said, what do you mean? What was it? It depends on what? And she goes, and, and I said, and she was kind of balked at the, the, at answering. I said, oh, it depends on the photographer. eh?" And she's like, yeah. And I was just like, well, I'll, I'll do my best, you know? And so she kind of smiles a little bit and we're shooting, we're shooting, but she's still kind of cranky. Um, and 
there was one point where her and my assistant and I were sitting there and we're shooting and I'm up on a chair and there's got the, the Octobox and she's standing there. It's sort of the picture that I think that's in my portfolio of her. Okay. And Meg is over the other side, just with a reflector bouncing up the other side and I'm taking pictures and I totally ignore her. And I look at Meg and I go, you know, Meg, I don't care how these pictures come out as long as she says, and I point to Jumba. I was like, as long as she says that I was one of the good ones. Nice. And she, and she laughs, you know? So that that, was the moment. Yeah. And I'm like, I got her. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. This, it, 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 it pivoted on that moment. And everything from there on in was fine, and I got plenty of good pictures, and everyone was happy, and, you know, the the whole bang. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, they didn't use the good picture, quote-unquote. Your favorite? Like, what would have been your pick? Yeah, but the strongest picture to me was not the one that they chose. Mm -hmm. Um, They chose all these other ones, which is fine, but when uh, Time Magazine called me, and they wanted to use one for a full-page portrait, they were doing a write-up of her. Uh, like a double spread, like portrait and interview kind of thing. Right, right. Um, they wanted the one that was my favorite. So I'm like, okay, see, the people at Time understand. <laughs> they have good taste. Um, but th- th- these are, I mean, this is the stuff that, you know, people make choices and stuff. But I guess what I'm saying is that I was nervous that day because it was a completely new situation. Right. You know, I was nervous on my first advertising shoots. Um, and sometimes when I was nervous that ends up being a good thing, you know, that, that I generally, when I'm put in a corner, I do well to fight my way out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you have to know that about yourself. You have to know what the situations are that help you, that, that hinder you Yeah, but, and, but it, and try to get in there. But it doesn't make going into it the next time any easier. Sure. But it, it at least gives you, it at least gives you uh, a North Star. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, mean, I hope that this stuff tonight will go. I mean, look, you know, I'm renting a long lens. I'm going to take some pictures in near darkness while they're on the stage. I'm sure mm-hmm. walking around the hall, getting some pictures. And that's ultimately what I'm being paid to do. They want a shot of them up there, but I would love to offer them shots like real portraits, like my kind of work. Right. Um, and if that means that I have, you know, I, the, the shortest time I probably had with anybody I ever really wanted to shoot was probably Buzz Aldrin. And I had two minutes. I didn't have any lighting and I was in a completely dark room except for some lights coming down on photographs on the wall. And so I pushed him against one of the photographs on the wall and shot him there. Mm-hmm. I mean, luckily it was one of Michael Light's photographs of the moon. So it worked. Um, but the lighting was terrible compared to what I wanted to get. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I, I feel very strange because I'm, I, I don't have the confidence that I tend to normally have. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Like this is the beginning of a new era as it were. Like if this, this is, is this the beginning of the next stage of my career? Right. Not shooting these guys, but just sort of the sort of uncomfortableness that comes with not knowing that I don't know what I want to do and I could do what I normally do, but that was not going to make me happy. So therefore maybe this is a turning point in some way, you know? Well, but you, you've always, I don't know, always, but since I've known you and that's not been very long, but you, you've been one of these guys who you're your biggest critic. You're, you're the one who sets up your biggest challenges. 
Yeah, maybe. You know, you are the one that, that sort of dictates what direction you want to go in creatively, at least a rough trajectory of where you want to go creatively. Yeah, maybe. You know, and, and maybe this is the fire you need to walk through to get to the other side. Uh, yeah, could be. It's, it's um, I don't know. It's just this very strange thing. Like I have a shoot on Thursday where I have to shoot 10 people in sort of a scripted setting. I, I'm sort of creating one of those like sort of Vanity Fairy kind of shots. Okay. Vanity Fairy. <laughs> just skip it. I got, I know what you're going <laughs> to I think that might be our title. Um, Vanity Fairy. Yeah. Good. Okay. Uh, that, that, that is probably a much more technically difficult shoot than what I want to do tonight, but I am completely just sort of, eh, okay. Looking forward to that one. That'll be fun. You know, um, there's also the problem where sometimes you get famous quote unquote people. You could get Philip Glass. I've heard that he's a super nice guy and I've heard that he's a complete nightmare. Mm-hmm. It depends which Philip Glass I get tonight. Right. You know? And you're never going to know. Right. Until you Maybe get I there. walk in and he's just like, I'm not getting my picture taken. I hate getting my picture taken. I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. You know, it could be one of those, you know, or he could say, sure. A couple minutes. Why not? Take your time. People say that too. It's like that, uh, with the Dan Winters thing, right? With Tom Hanks. Sure. Take your time. Yeah. Take your time. You know, you, you I understand that what you do on your side of the camera is as important as what I'm doing on my side of the camera. I I am patient because I want good results as well. Sure. I don't know. Whole lot of stuff to say, but I I don't know what it all means. What does it all well, mean, Jeffrey? It, it, you know, it, it it takes you away from working on your website. <laughs> I have been obsessing about my website lately. A little bit, a little bit, but it's. What where are we at on time? How much time do we have? Oh, we're we're fine. We're like a, a little under an hour. Oh, we're good. Uh, look. We wanted to talk a little bit about websites because let's face it, a lot of photographer websites are horrible. Yeah, they are. And it's, you know, there there is that adage of, you know, you never get a second chance at a first impression. And with the internet, it's it's sort of doubly so, right? You get maybe eight seconds before somebody has decided, nope, there's something I don't like about this. I can't put my finger on it, but I'm moving on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about that because well, I know for, you've been going through it. Well, first is the whole, you know, flash versus HTML thing, right? HTML, hands right. down. Nowadays, HTML. Um, and I was a big proponent of flash, but we're past that now. Um, th- then there's the question of, um, you know, I, I brought this up with some people earlier, right? When I was working on uh, billwadman.com slash proto and billwadman.com slash proto three. One of which was a grid of thumbnails that you could click on and you get sort of a light box version of the bigger photo. The other one was a step-by-step through uh, a stack of photos. Sure. And I was and, thinking and those seem to be the, the, the two choices that photographers land on. One yeah. Of. I mean, there, there are hybrids of the two, you know, big images with a bunch of thumbnails underneath or whatever, but generally those are the two. Right. Um, and, and I've kind of came to an epiphany last night. I used to be like my current site. If you just go to billwadman.com is big giant images, like full screen and you can cycle through, uh, them one by one, like flipping through pages of a book. And that's how I thought about it for a long time. 
This is like flipping pages through a book. I want somebody to sit down, enjoy one image at a time, you know, like, sure. like look at one image. Um, but the technical side of that or the art director side of that is I don't know how many of these I have to sit through to get to a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you don't like the first five, but he'd love number six, but he gives up on four. Right. Um, and you don't know what somebody, what's going to grab somebody. Uh, and I realized last night I was thinking about it and I said, you know, the problem with that way of thinking, and it's the way that I've been thinking for a long time is that it completely ignores the power of the web. Sure. It's, the power it's, of the it's web the is same. The, yeah. Yeah. It's the same mentality that, that, that said, I don't want people to have to scroll. Right. Well, you know, a lot of engineers spend a lot of time making this tool that does allow you to scroll. It's right. not a print book. Right. Exactly. Um, and that is a big, that is a big part of it. And I think the language of the internet has gotten to the point where in some ways it's more powerful than a single image scroll clicking through kind of cycle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of thought, you know what, the, 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 the whole point of the internet is to be able to, to, to use the tools that computers do something. What can computers do that you can't do on paper? Right. Um, and so I started playing with a new sort of proto site. So if you go to billwadman.com slash proto two, and I started doing this last night and Jeffrey and I uh, were going back and forth about it. Basically, the, the the new one is a a revision of Proto One, which is all of those um, uh, thumbnails. The big difference being that up top you can now filter all of the thumbnails for the pictures you're looking for. So if you want to just see my conceptual work, you click conceptual and it recycles all the images and just shows you the conceptual, or traditional and it just shows you the traditional pictures, and. I'm thinking that this might be the way to go. Well, look, th- this is the way to go. I mean, there, there, there's, there's very little doubt in my mind that, that the number of good things that are going on here, and it's, it, let's, let's take you out of the mix, okay? We're, we're friends, we do the show, et cetera, but let's take that out of the mix. Number one, it's a responsive layout. So no matter what size screen yep. you're looking at this content on, there's no plug-in involved that reformats it. The, the, the very nature of the masonry that you've used here is uh, if you're on a three and a half inch screen, it's fine. If you're on a four inch screen, a mobile device, a phone, a tablet, a computer, a cinema display, it doesn't matter. The, 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 the content presents itself regardless of the spec of the device. Yes. Okay, so that's number one. Uh, it's going to look good on anything without, you know, it's the, the sort of author once and and submit to many kind of approach. Yeah. So that's number one. Wait, I, I would like to point out that this is in very rough state right now. This is sort of yeah. hacked together last night. This is not exactly how it'll look, but go ahead. Yeah, this will be a little, this is a beta, right? Yes. A public beta. Yep. Uh, n- number two is the ability to filter your content, okay? Which is, which is another, I think, important feature that photographers, uh, especially photographers nowadays who find themselves uh, shooting a lot of different genres. Okay. If you're, if you're, you know, a portrait photographer, then maybe this, maybe this is, uh, uh, a way for you to separate out like you've done traditional conceptual motion. Okay. If you're a photographer that shoots weddings, engagements, sports, seniors, whatever, 
then you've got another way of sorting and filtering. Uh, but ultimately, you're, you're, you're allowing the viewer, the user, to tailor their experience according to what they're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. That's the idea. Right. It's, I just, it's like we often people forget that the, the point of technology is to make things better, you know? So if you're not using the advantages of technology, which in this case is like filtering and, and, and being able to collate and organize, like that's, that's computer right there. Right. Sure. If you're not using that, then, then you're, you're wasting a lot of the advantage. Well, that, and, and you're also, what you, what you've done here is uh, you, you've taken you out of the mix. And, and what I mean by that is what happens with a lot of photographers, number one, they design their own websites, which that's another show. Uh, but number two, they, they, Wait a minute, I'm designing my own website. <laughs> No, that's okay. Take you out of the mix, Ren. Okay. Uh, they're designing and 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 to a certain extent art directing their own website as if they themselves are the client. True. Okay. Photographers, you are not your audience. You are not your clients. Okay. By and large, you are not your clients. So what you want to do is you want to tailor your website, tailor your content, tailor tailor the representation of your content to your audience. And what you've done with this is you've, you've tailored your content to multiple audiences. You know, maybe Time Magazine is going to come look at your stuff and they're not interested in, in the more abstract uh, motion studies. Maybe they are, but maybe they're not for this, for this argument. So they can say time magazine for jerks, stupid time. So I can say, well, you know, I am art director, Joe Blow, and I'm, I'm really interested in a portrait of this, you know, very serious person who wants a traditional portrait. And I can click there and now I'm presented with only the content that's relevant to me. Yeah. That's relevant to what I'm looking for. And that's extraordinarily important as more and more and more photographers put their work up and they put more and more work up. Yeah. You're dealing with people who have maybe minutes to decide whether or not you're on their short list. You want to tailor your content and give them the most targeted experience that you can so that they can make an informed decision about whether or not you're right for them. I prefer to call uh, Carl Taylor my content. To Carl Taylor your content? Yeah. What does that mean? Versus just tailoring it. Ah, uh, wow. Okay, I completely missed that. <laughs> to Carl Taylor, it. yeah. Uh, I I agree with what you're saying, and which is why I'm doing it. Uh, right. You, then you get to the question though of how many images, right? Like right now, I think there's like 70 or 80 images. I need to add some more motion so that fills out, uh, and I'm gonna put some advertising stuff in here. So maybe I end up with like 120. Question is if if this plugin that I'm using this code is going to run fast enough with 120 images in it. Uh, I don't know. Is it okay? How are the thumbnails being generated? We're going to geek out for just a second. How are uh, the, thumbnails? the thumbnails are separate. Okay. So then you should be fine. So it's, it's not as long as the browser is not resizing the content, no. but there are separate files, but it is are, shuffling around 120 little images. Sure. That's but a it's lot not of, also having to re-rasterize right. everything. At the, the one I'm, te- what I'm testing it on is this super fast, whatever. I guess the question is something on like on my iPad. How well does it run? Um, anyway, just, it's just interesting. And it just got me thinking about, 
sort of best practices of websites now. And I think that this whole idea of, of being able, giving your audience some power in how they view the content is a very powerful thing. Yes. Yeah. And it's, and it's only going to, uh, I think anyway, it's only going to help set you apart from the photographers that have either everything just lumped into one massive gallery. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, aren't tailoring. Man, it does crack me up though. How many of the really fancy famous photographers you see have awful websites. Yeah. And a lot of them are still flash based. And I, I mean, and I, I realize that's because they're making too much money right now that they don't need to redo their thing and they're famous. So people know who they are anyway, and they're old usually. So, you know, but it just still cracks me up. That the, the people on the forefront of, of photo website website design are, you know, the kid in Sweden who just got a camera for Christmas. Right, right. <laughs> Cracks me up. He's been, been shooting self-portraits on Flickr for six months. Yeah, you know. It's and just, just killing it in the process. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, doing a fantastic job. <laughs> yeah, ten, exactly. ten times the photographer that I am I right know. now. I'm like, God damn you. <laughs> I hate that kid. <laughs> Where is that kid? Or, you know, the people like uh, Miss Aniela. Do you know this girl? Uh, I, which one is she got, got her start doing Flickr self portraits and now has just has grown and evolved and become this amazing conceptual portrait photographer, uh, and, and has, you know, hasn't been shooting very long, but does it every day. Yep. And that's right. And that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. My friend Carlos, uh, put up a thing on Facebook the other day, um, and it was uh, pictures of uh, Dimitri Agiev. You know this guy? No. Uh, what is this? He is a he's he's a he's a monster. He's really good. He's like this young guy. <laughs> he's a monster. Well, in a good way, right? His pictures are beautiful. Uh, okay. I put a link in the in Skype there for you. Um, okay. The problem that I have with his pictures, well, first of all, he's using all these beautiful young girls. And as you know, when you're taking pictures of beautiful young girls, it makes the whole thing a lot easier. His lighting is really great. His uh, post-production is very well done. Uh, it, uh, so it's it's one of those things where he's he's so good. The question is, gorgeous. you hate these? No, these are gorgeous. Yeah, they're, they're gorgeous. Now, Carlos was saying that this guy is his new favorite photographer. And, and I was like, okay, that's fair. I mean, his work is very good. It's, it's, it's masterfully done. The problem is, yes, they're beautiful, but are they interesting or are they just beautiful? Are they're they, beautiful. Are they too perfect? They're beautiful, but after the third page, I got to be honest with you, they're starting to look the same. Exactly. And that's, and therein lies the problem, right? Very similar focal lengths, very similar placement of the subject. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They're incredibly well done. But... Is he doing anything different? You know? Um, well, and that gets us back to a few shows ago where it, is it is it different that's important or is it honing and refining and refining and refining until... Not different than other people, I guess, sort of, I guess, not different for novelty's sake, but different in that you're extending the art okay. in a new direction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You ever see those, um, the little diagrams they do where they talk about like, you know, uh, some PhD candidate, like this is his world. And it's like this like circle or whatever, this like bump. 
and this is everything he knows. And then they zoom out and they're just like, this is all of knowledge. But all this PhD candidate is thinking about is this one little bubble on the surface that's just expanding knowledge, just a little tiny scooch. <laughs> okay. Um, nice. And I feel like in some ways as artists, that's our job, right? Is to, I mean, putting commerce aside and just saying, oh, well, I'm a photographer to, to make money. Well, that's fine. But like if you're trying to add something to the art, I think part of your job is doing giving creating creating the bump in the in the circle of knowledge you know okay um and these are absolutely gorgeous and this guy is great and i'm not disparaging him at all other than the fact that yeah they're all beautiful young women there's no older women there's no men there's no whatever like get beautiful young women in really nice light you really can't go wrong Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so it's, it's, and I'm sure he would do a great job with those other things too. It's just that he seems to tend to not to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he has, I don't think he's been shooting for all that long either. So it's, you know, that's a whole other thing, but anyway, they just, are beautiful though. They're beautiful shots. They are, are very, very nice. Anyway, just something there. So it gets into the question of is perfect too. Can something be too perfect? You know, where it just looks, it, it loses, um, it loses any sort of sense of humanity because it's like just too good. You know? Okay. Sort of like all those photorealistic drawings and stuff of people. It's like, okay, yeah, it's impressive, but eh, you know. So is it, is it the imperfection in things that, that makes them more interesting for you? Uh, often. Yeah. In fact, that's, mm-hmm. I usually pull out the imperfection. People get very mad at me. Anyway, interesting stuff. Yeah. Good. Uh, so we have a we have something new for today's photographer of the week. I just yeah, I just I don't know this person, but I I see why you dig it. Uh, I see why you dig the work. So this is uh, we're going to talk about Carl Blossfeld, who is a German photographer from he was like born in the eighteen sixties, died in the nineteen thirties, um, and he's famous for these sort of macro shots of plants. Uh, and flowers and, and all kinds of stuff. And if you if you go look him up on uh, on on Google Images, we'll put a Google be, Image link. I think you know. And I, I tried to. There was a point at which um, I tried to recreate some of this. Uh, I How did that work for you? Um, I think it actually came out okay. Uh, Wait, now, what was the walnut? Is that part of this? The, the shot that you did of the walnut? Uh, no, no, no. That that was far newer than that. Uh, okay. This was years ago. Here, I can I'll put it in the Skype so you can see them. Uh, I did these pictures of some random flowers and things that I went and found. And they were they were sort of along the lines of what I was trying to do. His big thing, though, the reason why he gets... It, so basically what he does was he shoots these macro shots of these... I think they're dried. Okay. Because they look... They have such like a metallic look to them. Mm-hmm. They look metallic, right? Is that not? Yeah, some of them. They look like they've almost been dusted with like a bronzing powder. Yes, and maybe that's what he did. Um, I, I've yet to figure out exactly how he did what he did, but a lot of them look so, they look really fragile and crunchy. Um, yeah. But they're they're beautiful, um, and, and they're almost abstract. So they're these organic objects that almost look like abstract drawings because of, of, of the way they, the way they feel, you know? Mm-hmm. No, they're uh, very, very cool. Uh, and, and I've tried doing some of this stuff before. 
The tricky thing, though, is getting look how deep the depth of field is in these pictures. And I think he was shooting with large format cameras, so he's probably stopping down to like f64 to get these. Wow. Um, uh, and, and this was again in like the teens, right? This is you know, turn of the century kind of stuff. Uh, and something somebody he's somebody very different than uh, the photographers we've been talking about so far. We've been talking about a lot of modern people, right? Lately. I, I thought going back to somebody like Blossfeld would be kind of interesting. Um, yeah, these are great. Yeah. It's, it's amazing to me how architectural some of these photos look. Yeah. You know, or, or how architecture has taken cues from nature. Especially modern, all this modern architecture stuff. I mean, especially if you get away from the Gary, arc, the, the aircraft design software stuff. Right. Um, there's a lot of more abstract architecture and, and, and just art in general sculpture that, I mean, that's the thing. These things almost look more like sculpture than they do, um, plants sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they, it's, it, what's odd is that he's, I, I don't know what kind of film or filters he was using because they end up being very dark. You know, the organic stuff is very dark. So he's probably filtering out the greens. Right. Um, just maybe shooting in the blues or something, or maybe it was some sort of uh, uh, chromatic film that was only sensitive to blues or, you know, whatever it is. Uh, really crazy, cool stuff. Uh, yeah. They, they look, they look like engravings. A lot of these. Yeah. Right. Carl Blossfeld. Huh. Good yeah, stuff. This is neat. Yeah. This is good stuff. This he, is really good stuff. He's, um, I figured that's the kind of thing that like Nikki might, like, oh yeah, Nikki would this love is, this because this is sort of the exact opposite of the kind of botanical stuff she takes, which is much yes. more alive. This is very much dead, or you know, dark and contrasty, and yeah, this is good stuff. Really, really deep depth of field versus really shallow. You know, and this, this is the anti Nikki. That's the Carl Blossfeld is the anti Nikki. <laughs> uh, this is this is a fantastic example of of a a very big idea that we get bogged down with (laughs) blogged down. Uh, I often get blogged down with things. Yeah. I think, I think we all do. And that is, this is something that we all deal with. There's nothing to shoot. I don't know what I can shoot. There's nothing around me to shoot. I've shot everything interesting near where I live. My neighborhood is boring. Yeah. My neighborhood. And here's the thing, you know, the, the people that we've talked about this, the people that are lamenting, uh, not having any big city stuff to you to to shoot because they live in you know Nebraska or Kansas or something. That's no different than than you or I saying you know L.A. or New York. I don't want to shoot anything here. I wish I had wide open spaces. Yeah, you know there there is this this idea that that the grass is greener phot- photographically no matter where you are. And and this guy took dried plants and yep. made them interesting. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fascinated by the still life photography thing because it's so not what I normally do. Sure. Uh, and every time I do it, I feel like I do a bad job at it. So to well, me, it, you do. And that's, that's probably why you feel that way. Right. So, um, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, w- way to buck me up while I'm all nervous. Um, <laughs> I keyed, I keyed. You're a heck of a friend. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so uh, it 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 shows you that you could people could shoot anything, and it's also kind of fascinating that all of this guy's work is this kind of stuff, right? So you know he has a niche in this where you look at one of these pictures and you go, oh, once you look at this guy's stuff, every time you see one of his pictures, you're going to say, oh, that's a Blasfeld picture, right? 
because it's very obvious that it's him. Like he has his signature look. Um, well, and and that's the thing is is you can make you can make anything <laughs> your own, right? Um, there there's a especially if you steal it. That is that is true. <laughs> then you can make it. Just sign it. Just steal it and sign it. Put your own watermark on it. You're done. Uh, no, there, there's a there, there's a, a a type design team called Hoffler and Frere Jones. Oh okay? yeah, and they have this amazing collection of signs, of business signs, of of street signs, of address signs that they've taken in and around New York, and they they think that they've covered you know almost every square block of New York. Yeah, um, obsessive, sure, but where also do you think Gotham to- came from? Yeah, to me, hugely inspiring. Yeah. You know, you can, you can take pictures of anything and make them your own, okay? Uh, Eggleston took pictures of neighborhoods, took pictures of what he thought was ugly. Tricycles. Tricycles. You yeah, know? that's true. Which I've always wanted to recreate that shot with a big wheel, because I think that would be kind of funny. Didn't I do that recently? I don't know. Did you? I think I did. You should post it. Uh, but, but, you know, this is the thing. We're talking about limits. We're talking about our own sort of mental blocks, physical blocks, whatever they might be. But you can, the, the, great, the great thing about photography is you can make an impact and you can make it your own. You just have to work for it. You just have to go out and look for it. Stop reading blog posts. Stop reading books. Stop reading, you know, those things are stop great. Stop listening to podcasts. Stop, no, don't do that. Listen to podcasts <laughs> while you're shooting. Um, but you know that's been some of the some of the best advice that you've given me recently is just just go do it just get out and shoot put the camera in your hand and go do it it's true i got to go do it tonight god yes. what am i going to do i don't know it'll be fine though uh-huh sure it will be <laughs> i'm sure you can probably count the number of times on on one hand maybe two three at a stretch that it, that a shot or a shoot hasn't worked out, right? Um, that you haven't come home with anything good. Oh, I, that doesn't really happen. Okay. But but you don't want to... Coming up with something usable is not what your goal is. You know? No. Uh, I want something really good. I want something that makes me squee. I want something... I want the picture that's going to be the first picture on my new website. That's that's my goal all the time. I was going to say that, that that's the way you approach every shoot, though. Yes, it is. So when something is more high stress and time limited, here there's the limit for today. It's time. If I knew that I had a half an hour with each of these guys and could bring a bunch of gear, then that's not a big deal, you know. Right. But if, you've got two minutes in a situation that you're already. Uh, well, let's face it. You're you're a little starstruck about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, in in this realm. You know, Philip Glass, Chuck Close, those are those are big names. Yeah, these these are monsters. Um and I want them to like me too. I have a weird thing about that. There are some photographers will go in and be like, I don't give a crap what they think of me. I'm going to get the shot that I want. If that means being mean to them or telling them off or you know, whatever it is. Right. I'm not that guy. Like no, I'm I'm you're not much, that guy. I'm a I'm a uh honey rather than vinegar guy. Okay. Um but sometimes that takes longer than vinegar, you know. Honey runs slower than vinegar. There's got to be there's got to be some terrible saying. Wow, is that is that the show title? Is, no. that, is that what you're going with? That's terrible. 
Um, so yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll find out. I don't know if I'll be able to share anything with you guys next week, but I could share about what happened. You can share the experience. Sure. Yeah. Maybe I'll set up a camera and just turn the video on and see if I can get one of those like, and I'll just slow it down in slow motion and put some tinkly piano music over it and it'll be art. Is that, is that all it takes? You know what they do? You know, you know, those like terrible (laughs) video things people do now? It's 15 seconds. No. Jeffrey staring into a camera and you're like, yeah, Warhol did this like yeah, no. 50 years ago. Go the ago, opposite direction. And, and it was stupid then. Make it, no, go go all Gangnam Style on it. Gangnam Style! <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right, moving on. Have anything else before we wrap this thing up? No, I think we're good. Uh, we uh, Just, you know, like we say every week, we love the feedback. Keep it coming. Yep. Tell your friends. Um. And, uh, you know, hit us up, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Uh, Bill tweets under Bill Wadman. I tweet under Jeffrey Sidoris, two Fs, E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. And uh, I don't know. What else? Let's see. Uh, uh, ontakingpictures.com slash podcast will get you the show notes. Yes. Um, and it'll it'll what that just brings you basically to... Um, yeah, ontakingpictures.com slash podcast just brings you to all of the podcast show note episode posts on the blog. Right. So you can just scroll down them. And, and you uh, can listen to them there or yep. you can listen on iTunes, subscribe on iTunes. And uh, and I think that's about it. Go review on iTunes. And we will talk to you next week. Done. Done. Good. <laughs>